Welcome to the FNO InsureTech Podcast, a place where movers and shakers from all points within the insurance ecosystem gather and discuss all things InsureTech. We talk about how technology and innovation are affecting and driving change in the industry. Here are your hosts, Lee Boyd and Rob Beller. Hey, Podcast World, welcome to a overnighter edition of FNO InsureTech. Did you like that? Overnight. Yeah. Uh, I'm not, I think I know where you're going. We're going to take a little vacation from what we usually do. Ooh. I like that. Ooh. Yeah. From a different location, something that we don't own, but somewhere else maybe we could rent. We're going to rent some space here on FNO InsureTech. Why don't we take a vacation from our day job and. We're going to do that. I don't know how to end We're going to do that. We're going to stay. Maybe we'll stay at a VRBO. Maybe we'll stay at a Airbnb. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe a booking.com location. Maybe Just a booking.com. Maybe something I don't even know about. But we're all going to get in the car and we're going to drive there. Mm-hmm. Right? We're going to take everybody who Road. works on our podcast and all of you guys. We're going to have this ginormous party. Yeah. We're going to have an FNO and SureTech weekend blowout yeah okay everyone's invited now if you're the owner of the property that we're going to be renting how would you feel about that if i knew what was going on i would not feel great but what if no one told you well then i guess i would hope that there's something out there that could protect me uh in the event of damage being done by the people renting well, guess what? What, Rob? There is. How exciting. I had no idea that is brand new information to me. So when you go to one of these places and you opt into the insurance or the protection mm-hmm. plan or the protection policy or whatever it means, there is actually a company that underwrites that. And there's actually a company that attends to all this. That's right. Yeah. Insurance for the sharing economy uh that particular in particular the housing portion of the sharing economy we have on andrew bate co-founder and ceo of safely we do and andrew is such an exciting person i mean you're, you're gonna love talking to him you're gonna love listening to him you don't actually get to talk to him we do that for you uh, but we're going to get to talk all about <laughs> embedded insurance and all the things that are associated with renting a a home and how he's protecting the the homeowner from from damages uh, associated with with that. The guest from liability, the guest and the property management company. So there's or the property three. management company. He's going to get to talk all about that. But it's what's really interesting is when he gets talking about the list, right? You know, the list of people who have done damage in the past and, and, and they know who you are. They know who you are. They watch you when you sleep. I'm sorry. That's probably rude. They probably, didn't. I was thinking of Christmas. That's, you can't pack that no, up. That's not they true. don't do that. I, uh, I, I lied. No. Anyway, he's a great uh, conversation today. And it's something that I didn't know a lot about. And I feel like I'm a, I'm an expert now. So. You are an expert and you're going to love this guy. Uh, Lee and I took a vacation from our normal routine and we decided all we're going to ask is hard questions. 
Yeah, you did that. Preview. You sure made preview. That decision. Spoiler alert. So you might want to mute your podcast right now. Spoiler alert is we ask some hard questions. Not all right. hard questions. Because you can't. And you'll see. You're going to love this guy. He's terrific. We loved him. And so without further ado, here's our interview with the CEO and co-founder of Safely, Andrew Bate. Hey, everybody. We are here with our super special guest. And I say that because we're going to have some fun today. We're going to change up the podcast a little bit. Andrew Bate, CEO and co-founder? Correct. Okay. Of Safely is with us. And for those of you who've been living in a cave, Safely is a really interesting, super interesting company. And it's been around for a while. It's an old school insure tech. You were an insure tech before there was insure tech, the word. I think so. And and it was before we were cool. Now we're cool, but before we weren't, it was awful. <laughs> and, and we have video that we use. And so we see Andrew, and let us all tell you, he's super cool. In super fact, cool. He, you got to tell us, right behind you is a, how old Macintosh, and tell us that story real quickly. Well, yeah, I, I have an antique on uh, behind me in my office, and that antique is my grandma's Apple IIc computer, and she was the first person in our family to have a computer, and she traded her socks on it, and when she passed away, you know, everyone wanted antiques from her house, and I was like, well, that Apple's a, an antique, and I wanted, and it, I couldn't imagine, it's a small screen, how you can even see things on it, yeah. but uh, but it's it's my antique, and a, uh, it still works. It'll it'll boot up. Well, it really connected to the internet, but um, <laughs> it works. <laughs> it's a green screen, isn't it? It is. It is a green uh -huh. screen. Uh huh. That's wow. That's, I cannot believe that she used that to trade stocks. Do you know the year vintage of that machine? I don't know, but it, it she wasn't quick to upgrade things, so it was probably original, and so it's probably like late eighties. That's or uh, that's. So. I mean, how many people can say I have my grandma's computer? Not many. Not many. Not okay, many. So we could stop this episode right here. Yeah, it was fun. Uh, it, was, it was a pleasure <laughs> to have you on today. Pleasure being on today. Have a great day. So Andrew has consented to allow us to ask hard questions today. Bring it, he said. So let's. I, I'm, I want to go first. I would love it because okay. please, please Ready? do. So Andrew, CEO of Safely, are you profitable? This summer we were. Hey, that's great. Yeah. Uh, so our, our revenue is seasonal because we're embedded into every reservation that takes place. So when there are a lot of reservations, there's more revenue. And then as we get into the shoulder season and off season, there's less revenue. Yet our costs stay, uh, stay pretty similar. But we are uh, within striking distance always of profitability uh, if we decide to slow the growth down a little bit. We, we, we want to be a responsible insure tech, not a frothy insure tech. Mm -hmm. But I, I bet it's hard to not be a frothy insure tech. I mean, if you look at revenue <laughs> minus cost and you need a profit, then then like it's pretty simple. But but no, it, you're, you're you're right. Like there there is um, there is growth that has to happen and a certain growth rate that that's expected and that does cost money. Sure. Okay. So great first hard question. Do you have a hard question, Lee? Well, no, I have an easy one. I think that we really need to 
say what in the world is safely and what we're talking about today before we continue to to grill Andrew. So what we are at, at safely.com, you know, our whole mission is to help a homeowner feel comfortable with this internet stranger who comes into their house and sleeps in their beds you know, through Airbnb, through VRBO, through booking.com. And really we're doing three things. First, uh, we, we answer the question of who's staying in my house by running a background check on the guest, we're verifying their identity. In the United States, we're checking for felonies, sex offender lists, and we keep a contributory database of bad guests, people who have destroyed homes, they should never rent again without the right supervision. Then uh, the second piece is we provide a commercial insurance policy during the rental, and it's a really, really robust policy. Uh, we cover up to a million dollars of coverage, damage to the home structure, its contents, and also for bodily injury. Uh, and three named insureds, the homeowner, the property manager, and the guest are named insureds. But it's really a, a general liability policy written for the liability associated with running a business in your house, this rental business. And and so we're fully embedded into the reservation flow. When you have a reservation, you need commercial insurance, we're on. And when the guest leaves and you don't need commercial insurance, we're off. And so what we've done there is we've embedded or uh, integrated with property management systems, the back office software systems that, that property managers use. So no matter where that reservation takes place, on Airbnb, on VRBO, we're part of that reservation. And now that that uh, that home's insured. And we have a no deductible policy or a $100 deductible policy, which means we can cover all that pesky stuff, the broken wine glasses, the scratched floors, that, uh, that you might ask your guests to pay for, or you might ask for damage deposit. You don't need that because we're covering the small stuff, but also the big stuff. Who pays? Yeah. In, in almost all cases, it's the guest who pays because the guest doesn't have to pay a damage deposit. So instead of putting $500 down, $1,000 down, the guest pays $8, $10 a night. Average length of stay is five nights. And the guest pays that. And then everything's going to be covered. I, I mean, not everything, everything according to the policy that's associated with, with the liability that the policy covers. Why does somebody need this? Is it because their home is not covered during a traditional stay by a stranger? Your homeowner's policy is great for covering your home when you're there, when your friends are staying for free, or when your home's empty. But once you have a paying guest in your house, you're running a business and you need the right business insurance. And, and that's where... You need to think of yourself not as a homeowner, but now as an entrepreneur or a business owner, because you're running a business just like a Marriott hotel or a Hyatt hotel. You're running that from your house. And there's a different type of liability associated with with that type of use of your house. Do you sell so the, you sell several different policies, right? You sell or or is this like a policy that the home owner, the commercial enterprise homeowner buys that covers the thing, whether it's occupied, I mean, is it 24-7, 365 coverage, or is it just in place when they're renting the house? Or how does that, how many policies? One general policy, but with different limits, different deductibles. Each reservation you know, is a policy. And so as a, as a reservation happens, that that event is insured, but then it goes off. So you're not paying annual premiums. You're not paying monthly premiums. It truly is usage-based. When you, If you have a lot of guests in your house this month, you pay more for insurance. And if you board up your house, you're in Montana and you 
don't do the winter season, you pay nothing. And so the homeowner is paying that, correct? Well, the homeowner adds a fee that the guest pays in most cases. So, right. so it, that's part of every booking flow. Uh, as they, you know, they use the technology, it pushes to all the booking sites. And so there's an extra fee that the guest pays, but it's instead of that damage deposit that the guest used to pay. So is it possible that like sometimes I use VRBO a lot and we'll talk about that in a minute because I want to know everything that you have on me and that and that bachelor party in 2014 that you mentioned, by the way. <laughs> I'm glad you checked us out before we started. M- many times what's, what's happened, the way that things have evolved with VRBO, I've been using it for years, is that people don't ask for a damage deposit pretty much anymore at all. And then there's these large fees that they have. Here's the nightly rental fee. Here's the administrative fee. Here's the owner's fee, other things like that. Is that where they embed that that money? I rarely see something, you know, $8 a night damage waiver. Is it hidden inside of all there or how does that work? It depends on the booking channel. That is one of the challenges of getting a fee passed along. Like Airbnb will describe it in one way and and lump it with some other administrative fees where as on VRBO, it's it's displayed in a different way. Uh, I think there's a big difference between uh, what what people are probably more familiar with, the commodity damage waiver, where where it covers some damage. There's a single insured party, uh, and that's the guest. And so what that means is it's not going to cover intentional acts. And there there has to be a lot of coordination between the guest and the insurance carrier before a claim is paid. And so really specifically, you know, insurance was never meant to cover intentional acts. So if the guest has 80 people in a two-bedroom condo, you know, that's just not going to be covered. Or they sneak a pet into the into the home, it's not going to be covered. And so so th- this policy you know, similar to that, there's a fee at the end, and and it's just going to cover a whole lot more. But with the three named insureds, it means, you know, even if it wasn't, the, even if the guest did something that was intentional, the homeowner, it wasn't intentionally done by the homeowner or the property manager. So it's it, a lot more becomes covered. And so whenever you're writing these, how do you determine the difference between heavy wear and tear and actually intentionally damaging? Let's say there's a a, a large scrape on the wood floor. How do you know that? Uh, and I, I guess I should preface this by your website says that roughly 80% of these claims were settled within four minutes. And so you must have some, you must have some AI. And, and I apologize if I misquoted that. I, I think it, it's four said. days. Yeah, it's four, four days. days four really days, not four yeah. minutes, four days. Um, but but it can be handled quickly. Uh, you know, we, we're paying seventy percent of our claims by the next business day, okay. because uh, this is a unique use case. You, if you're renting your home, you have one guest leaving at ten o'clock, eleven o'clock in the morning. The next guest is arriving at four o'clock, and you've got to get it ready uh, because that next guest wants a bed, or they want the floor to be cleaned, or things yeah. like that. So or their so window fix, or their window fix, especially as it's getting colder, and so. So really, our customers you don't have the luxury of shopping and getting the best deal and getting estimates. They have to get that home ready for the next guest. And th- what that means is we also then have to make sure they get their money as quickly as possible. So, so we've gotten really um, fast and accurate at the smaller claims. But then back to your question, yeah. what's wear and tear, especially in a rental scenario? And, and you know, it's always, um, you know, it's always a little questionable. There, there's art and science to it, but so mm-hmm. really, 
it, it becomes more clear. A scratch is more of a traumatic event. And when we do work with our customers, we cover all of their reservations. So so 100% of their commercial reservations, their arm's length transactions reservations are going to be covered. And so that, me- that means that we can feel comfortable that even if maybe it wasn't this specific guest who did this, it was one of the last five guests. And so it's a lot easier to cover that versus if, if the guest opted into the program, then one guest would would have coverage and the next wouldn't. And then we'd have to look really carefully, like, was this really tied to an insured event? Whereas we know we're part of every insured event. And so you say, and and tell me if my quote is wrong, 70% of claims are settled in about a day. How long does it take them to get payment? Is payment done through a check, like old school? No, or ACH. Is it- ACH. Yeah, we're sending it in the bank account. Yeah. Wow. So is that 70% of claims settled and paid within about a day? Sometimes it takes one more day for the bank to to register the money. But it's it's out of our bank account by then. Who holds your paper? What paper do you write on? Yeah, uh, we're working with Assurant, and they're they're a great leader in the sharing economy. They do a lot of delivery driver uh, insurance other mobility products and then they've they've been an early investor in in one of the big vacation rental property managers so they really know this space well mm-hmm. that's that, wow that's that's really interesting and so you, it's possible that the that the only person that's covered is the guest right in your in your World. In our policy, no, we we have three named insureds. If there's a property okay. manager, they're going to be insured. Okay. If there's a guest, they'll be insured, and then also the homeowner. So we need to cover the needs of that homeowner. The homeowner is really worried. Remember, our whole right. mission is to help that homeowner feel comfortable. So if something bad happens that's related to that reservation, we're, we're there to help. My wife and I, uh, as, as I mentioned, we're frequent VRBO type people. And we use, we drive to, particularly through COVID. We'll talk about COVID in a minute because obviously COVID had a huge effect on you um, or your company and and probably by extension, you (laughs) sleepless nights, et cetera. And so we'll drive and, and, and enjoy it. And one of the things that comes to our mind is we work really hard to treat the homes like ours. I mean, we don't do crappy things to the house. We try to be careful. We do take our dog, but we only go to places that allow dogs, uh, that kind of thing, or where you pay a fee frequently to, uh, you know, a little offset to have the pet there. Um, And we've wondered, what about the people who aren't like us? The people who come in here, and like you said, they have 200 people in this place, and electronic music, dance music blasting, and 30 kegs. What about that? What, what I mean, that's got to be a big part of your underwriting is being able to say, no, John Smith can't come, to, should not go, you should not rent to this person. Is that part of what you do? And talk talk about that. Yeah, it, it is indeed what we do. And, and just uh, the next question is always, well, can you discriminate against guests? And the answer is you, there are certain types of guests you can't discriminate against. So, so the way we run our risk score and we, we screen the guests is, is compliant with the Fair Credit Reporting Act and the Fair Housing Act here in the United States. So just want to throw that out there. But then we're able to look at characteristics of the guest. And 
and you we're checking for felonies, we're checking sex offender lists, like I, like I mentioned, but also we're looking at at how they booked. So we're ensuring the same homes over and over. So we get to know the homes, but then also we see all the reservation data because we need that to ensure that reservation. So we know what booking channel they used. We know the advanced booking window, the length of stay, and how close that home is to their primary home. And, and from that, because then we process every single insurance claim, we get a good feeling for the types of guests, the types of homes, the types of reservation characteristics that are, that are causing you a bad state. And so what that, what that means is we can identify you just based on the people. There's about 70% of guests who are causing, uh, or there's about 14% of guests who are causing 70% of our bad stays, the parties, exactly as you said. So it's like the 80, 20 rule, right. like you'd yeah. expect, like yeah. everyone yeah. knows. And, and so there are characteristics that help us identify them, but our goal isn't to turn down a reservation. It's instead to add extra friction and extra coaching where we need to, to steer those high risk guests to make good decisions. So we had one, one stay, you know, this guy was at the bar and he brought the whole bar back to the house, you know, at two in the morning when the bar closed. Oh, he's generous and and all that. It wasn't quite his home. It was home for those three days, but it wasn't his He brought them all back to (laughs) not his house. Right. He brought them to not his house, but also not to the bar. So what do we do? Like, he's not a bad person. He's nice, like you said. But what do we do to help him go to someone else's house? Hey, hey, buddy, we go to your house. We don't go to my house. Maybe he's the one who has to pay the damage deposit. Maybe 5% of guests pay a damage deposit. Or maybe that's the house where the owner stops by and and brings cookies every night. Not because she wants to bring cookies, but to just, you know, you know she's nearby. Or maybe there's a phone call ahead of time. Like, just so you know, there's a police officer, retired police officer who lives next door. If anything goes wrong, like you just let him know and he'll be happy to help you, but also he's watching you. So how can we add the right friction so these high-risk guests are making uh, really responsible decisions? So is so, that something you, you can do? Is that something you have the capability of saying, hey, this person hits this profile. We really feel like we need to do a 5% deposit. Is that something you have the capability of doing? And we're building that technology in the in the coming year. So 2022 is That's where we awesome. start to operationalize our risk score, and that does require partnerships with you know the the sites or the property management systems that interact with the guests, so we can make this more automated. But right now, if there's a high risk guest, we call the property manager and we say, "Hey, you got to look out for this guy who's coming by. Let's give him a call." So so your- so. It- <laughs> okay, so right there. So it's not so much. So so you just said the uh, the uh, risk score. So it's not so much even the the person. It's more the surroundings around the reservation. It's what sites that they really visited. It, it's when they booked. It's location. It's things like that. So you're able to actually make a risk score fairly quickly with that data using AI. I would think. And at that point, you're not even a, you're not even looking at the human who is getting the. Real. That's fascinating. Well, but yeah, go ahead. I bet it's both ways. It's both. I mean, there are components to this risk score, but but think of it in, in real life. Like, let's say we all go to InsureTech Connect, which is like an insurance conference, and we're different people at an insurance conference than maybe we are at a bachelor party. So we're the same right. person, but we have different surroundings. We have different bad influences or good influences around us. So we behave differently. So you shouldn't be like we're not always going to bachelor parties, bachelorette parties, 
we're also not always going on a business trip. And so, so a lot of the risk depends on the type of trip you're going on, who you're with, and, and the purpose. Not that we can tell what the purpose is, but when you, you – know, we've insured over a million nights so far. So we're starting to get some, some right. good data about trends that, that uh-huh. lead to a good outcome or a bad outcome. Uh huh. So do you also have it that like if Robert D. Beller makes a reservation – that it picks out, hey, that it picks out my name. Not just the other at- attributes that you mentioned, but there's a list of people like me, the bad guy, and and it flashes a warning based on that. Right, uh, and y- yes, within we, the we within the law. Let's let's right of course within the law, and and of course every everything depends on how good the quality of the information is coming in. So, so, I mean, there are common names, there are not common names. And, uh, and so, you know, we do require for that full criminal check, we do require the date of birth because that's one way of matching a name with, with a criminal record. Right. And as you can imagine, criminal records aren't, um, I mean, they're hard to find. You know, 7,000 jurisdictions in the U S um, all government databases supposedly shared is criminals sharing their information? So that's not always correct. So, so it's messy. Um, but we're trying to bring as much order to the mess. But also, as you were implying, how do we get away from maybe a, a, a straight criminal check, which might not be as predictive, to other characteristics that are that are a lot more easy, uh, a lot easier to identify, and also are more predictive. Like, yeah, because like you said, I mean, if I, if I go to uh... Las Vegas and have a wild time, that might not be how I live the rest of my life. Hopefully, or maybe it is. Yeah, but but your trips are different. So is that something that's after the reservation? So I get online, I make my reservation. You say, hey, yes, based on the lo- everything I see, uh, we look good. After the reservation's booked, you then, you then say, hey, this person is showing up on the list. I assume you let the homeowner know. Is that how that works? Yeah, absolutely. So we can push a risk score through our portal. So they log into our portal, they'll see all the high risk reservations versus lower risk reservations. Also, they'll see if there's a match for criminal history. And then we figure out together what they want to do. They might be fine. Yeah, I was about to say, can that person still... It's low season. Yeah, it's low season. They're in Montana. They're not near anyone. Doesn't matter. Or it doesn't matter to that property manager or to the homeowner. What about or, to you? What about to you? Does it matter? Does the does the dollar amount of the policy go up? It doesn't okay. right now. Uh, it's it's the same price. Um, we right now we do not want to insure people who have destroyed homes that we've already paid for. Yeah, that um, makes sense. Or our underwriters have paid for. Prior so loss. that's that's our yeah that's our number one rule. Otherwise, we'll still insure the reservation. Uh, we'll let we'll let the property manager make the decision. So if Rob Beller went to Northern California and did a bunch of damage, and then six months later he wants to go to Arizona and have a golf weekend, you would X me because of my history. I mean, I'm a bad risk. Yeah. Yeah, you're a bad risk. Um, now, there comes a In time general. where maybe we call you and we say, hey, can you put down the first $2,000? We'll refund it. Are you comfortable with that? We haven't built up that operational uh, ability yet, but um, but we will. And then I mean, we want you to stay. Our our customers want high occupancy at the highest rate they can get. 
So that requires us to have as many people as possible. But they also don't want these bad outcomes because they get a lot of grief from their homeowners. If they're managing a home, they let a guest in. And in 2022, we're working on the ability to be able to ask the guest to put down a deposit, ask them to um, go through a, a little bit more screening or, or just talk to them and let them know that we have higher expectations of them this time around than, than the last time. Again, we want them to stay in one of our customers' homes. We want to ensure it. We're not trying to ruin commerce, but we have to cancel the reservations that need canceling. What have you learned about this whole market? I mean, it's so interesting to me, the whole market of people that rent out their houses. It's really easily to, easy to understand why people rent out their vacation houses, right? Oh gosh, I have this vacation house sitting there. Maybe somebody else could use it. I could help defray the cost. That makes perfect sense. But mm -hmm. people have people into their homes too, right? Like right. through Airbnb in particular. And so what have you learned about the people that rent their houses out one way or another? Can you talk about yeah. that for a minute? Right. And, and, and these are the people, the homeowners, this is exactly the reason we started Safely because uh, it was to help them because they weren't renting. So there's a, there's a new company that launched called Picasso, and they estimate there are 20 to 30 million second homes in the EU and the US that are unrented. You know, it's someone's yeah. home, they're going there for a few weeks, but then it's empty. And you know how hard it is in our society to buy a first home. And then these people bought a second home. So they're probably sophisticated somehow, but then they're leaving that home empty which sounds really stupid, like their most valuable asset, their family's most valuable asset is sitting unutilized uh, 48 weeks of the year. And hmm. that's why we started the company. And actually in 2007, we started the first version of this company, which was building a marketplace called Trusted Guests, where you could tell me exactly who you trust. Because I, I interviewed hundreds and hundreds of homeowners trying to understand why they'd leave their home empty and it's because they didn't want to let internet strangers come into their house. Sure. But what I learned from that is they'll actually let people they trust stay. So they were listing their home in their school's alumni magazines. They're letting friends of friends stay. They're putting something up at church. So they're letting people they trusted stay, even if they were strangers. So what I realized is you have to build this mechanism for trust. So we struggled to build the marketplace. We launched right when Airbnb did, three months before they did, in fact, with this marketplace called Trusted Guests. Where we struggled is it was hard to get a homeowner to onboard because we were, we were partnering with groups that trusted each other, MIT alums, McKinsey alums, the consulting firm, uh, London Business School alums, where I went to, uh, to business school. And, and so, sure, they would trust each other to rent but then they weren't listing their home because that home was five hours away. It would take time to list it. And, and it just, it was hard. And so we never had liquidity in the market. We had demand and we had homeowners who said they'd list, but they didn't. But so, so what I learned from that is this company has to answer two questions. Who's staying in my house and what happens when something goes wrong? And in 2013, that's when we switched to this business model. If instead of making our own marketplace, let's yeah. infuse trust into every single reservation that exists. Is actually Carl Shepard, the co-founder of Verbo, who said, uh, Andrew, stop doing this. Don't compete with us. Just make our reservation safer. And, and that's when we, we made that pivot. 
you guys have a big pivot in your history. We do. We do. Or, or it was like a slimming. It's like we're trying to do everything and now we're just doing the thing that, that we want to do. And, and it was the VRBO guy that said, hey, stupid, do this. And if you know him, he's a very opinionated man. So it probably <laughs> was exactly those words. It, really smart, but also very opinionated. Uh-huh. But the whole thing that you're doing is hoping that people are actually good people, right? For, for, for you to be profitable, you want good people to rent homes, not do intentional uh, damage. Is that what you're finding? You were profitable this summer, you said. I mean, for the, for the most part, are people good? Yeah, and, and this whole industry wouldn't exist. Like if 70% of reservations were bad, Airbnb wouldn't be public. Verbo yeah. wouldn't be part of a bigger company. The market wouldn't exist. The industry wouldn't exist. So, so you know it's got to be some manageable amount of risk versus an infinite amount of risk. And, and I think that's one thing that's been interesting about about this segment is there's an arbitrage between what people think will happen in their private home. You know, how yeah. often will it be destroyed if you let someone into your primary home or your second home versus what really happens? What is that percentage? What is the likelihood of an average VRBO having a claim? Yeah. Uh, in a typical reservation and different markets are different. We don't like Los Angeles, but you look <laughs> at the rest of the industry, you know, three, three and a half percent of reservations will have some sort of claim. And then we divide these claims into three categories. One is the pure accident is exactly why you need insurance. About a third of the claims are just pure accidents. There's also a third, which, which is like pure negligence. You, these are the bad ones. But then that's only about 1% of all reservations is someone did something bad. And then we have this middle category called vacation brain where, you know, you might be smart in real life, but once you're on vacation, you, you somehow think you can do gymnastics on the towel rack. You don't turn the, the faucet off of the bathtub. Like you just do, it's not intentional, but it certainly isn't smart. And there's that middle category and that takes up about a third of the claims. I bet you guys hate barbecues. We hate barbecues. We uh, we hate bathtubs. Um, no, we everything's different. But what are the most common claims that you get? It really like is in my head, car, okay. In my head, it's like, car oh, you leave the door open and the deer walk in and and start eating. I don't know why I think of a vacation like that. Yeah, no, we had a bear attack the furniture, but it okay. was under the guest liability. The guest left the the door open, and and so it, the bear destroyed the house. Uh, we had bats come in and attack you know, along those lines. But, but really, it's, it's the carpet stains. It's, okay. it's scratched carpets. It's scratched counters. And it's wine glasses that spill. It's also towel wine. racks because they do only support 10 pounds, not 150. And <laughs> those are the main ones, broken furniture. But again, it, it really does carpets. And, and actually, it's People trying to repair their own carpets or clean their own carpets versus getting yeah. a professional in because they'll often do more damage trying to clean it themselves. And we're like, no, call someone. We'll pay for it. Get yeah. it done professionally because these are some some nice carpets out there. Is there a deductible? Either $0 or $100 depending on on what our, what our clients want. And are you an MGA? Is that what you are? Right now it's a group insurance policy. We're building the MGA technology as we expand beyond the United States. That's great. Talk about going into other countries. What are your plans there? Right now, um, you know, we have some customers that operate globally. And so while we're 
working really well with them in the United States are also in the UK and the EU, and they really want us to be there. So they have this continuous uh, level of coverage for their entire business. And so, so that's been, that's been challenging. You know, as we talk to reinsurers, uh, a lot think that this market is smaller, the, t- the addressable market, like who's really listing on Airbnb on VRBO and, and it, you know, they might be right because there are billions and billions of dollars under management. But but at the same time, this is a, a really fast growing, interesting segment. So so, you know, finding the right the right fronting carriers, the right reinsurers, we're, we're, we're making really good progress there. Uh, and then we're building a captive carrier so we can participate in some of the risk and give us a little bit more product flexibility. Ooh. And um, and so that's, that's cool. been. Yeah, it, it's just a unique risk that not everyone understands. We've got really good data, but yeah, you got so much data. Be a carrier, yeah, we don't want to be a carrier, but we want to be good at at this product. I, I would think that, I mean, you guys have the most data. I would think. I don't know what your competitive your space is like competitively, but that you have the most data uh, of anybody. In, in industry on this particular niche segment and 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 the, and the expectations thereof. Yeah, our, that- from the very beginning, we've really tried to to attach all the reservation data, house data, guest data to the claims data. The claims data is their performance data. So while the booking sites might have more a lot more reservations happening on them because they have all the industry's reservations. If you're not paying attention to how the guest characteristics turn into an insurance claim, you're, you're missing a big piece of it. And and so you, know, I'd say the booking sites have good data too. But but once you step away from that, uh, we've been paying attention all all million nights, and and so that's that's been a big focus for us. Do you have other users besides vacation rentals or Airbnb types who are coming to you and say, "Hey, you know what? You have this trove of data. Can we use it too?" Yeah, we think that this fits in the sharing economy. It's a unique type of economy where you have unbranded people, like people like you and me who are acting as businesses, but we don't have a brand behind us and we're providing a good or service. And then we have buyers or users of the, the goods and services who you actually have to count on them behaving, whereas you don't have to behave very well if you go into Walmart or you go into Target or you go into a Marriott. There are minimal expectations, but much lower expectations than when someone comes into your house, your your private house. So it's the first time where the the buyer's attributes have ma- have mattered. And so really there's anytime there's there's risk you between these two parties, new types of risk. Well, someone has to predict it and then mitigate it. And so really the the entire sharing economy. When humans are coming together to buy, to sell, to lend, or to provide services for each other, there's risk to predict and mitigate. And so that's part of the extra product flexibility we're going to get with the captive carrier and more and more relationships you know, beyond the short-term rental space. But right now, we're really focused on short-term home rentals. Can you share some of the upcoming sharing economy ideas that are out there that you guys are touching or thinking about? Well, we think delivery drivers, um, there are a lot of them. They work for a lot of different delivery companies. Um, you know, just checking their um, their motor vehicle record is is good. And of course, our partners, Assurant, um, do a really good job insuring them. Um, but we think there's data that could make that, that experience better. 
Um, you know, how about pet sitting? How about babysitting? You know, yeah. how about lending an asset to someone like a weed whacker or a lawnmower or or something more valuable like an RV? And there, there's there's some sophistication in the RV space now, but mm-hmm. but but there are a lot of use cases we've never even thought of yet. And mm-hmm. and the sharing economy is just in its opening opening innings, and um, there are a lot of business models that that will only work if the buyer and seller trust one another. And, and then that trust can be, or, or that, that risk can be absorbed by the whole community. So share some stories. You must have great stories. I mean, it must happen with some frequency that somebody walks into your office or gets in touch with you. Maybe you don't have an office right now and says, dude, you're not going to believe this one. You're not going to believe a whole lot of these. I think I have two favorites. There was a, a Fifty Shades of Grey party in Savannah. I was not invited, and I don't think you were on the on the list. But oh, the one in Savannah? Happened. No, I didn't oh, go yeah. to that one. <laughs> but apparently, at these parties, you use oils everywhere, so it got into everything. It got into the the couches. Oh my god! Like you can't clean that out, and so that was that was a larger <laughs> loss than average. Um, you know, another one uh, which was not a big loss. They must have found out about it after the people checked out, right? They check out, the the cleaning crew comes in, and they're like, oh, my God. And they call the owner. There's oil everywhere. And then the owner calls you. Is that that normally how something like that would roll out? Exactly. Exactly. I mean, for a big thing like that, yeah, we get a call instead of – we have a fast claims form, but but – how do you put no, that in? That's a special form? one. That's special. <laughs> There's not a checkbox for. 50 There's no radio of button parties. for that. <laughs> no, no. What happened? And, can't explain. And, <laughs> right. Please send pictures. Uh, oh my no. goodness. <laughs> the other one um, was not a big loss. It could have been though. Uh, in Tahoe, someone late at night drinking, likely um, they decided to ski on the roof of their house. Oh, and, and so they're skiing down the house, you know, lots of snow, it's soft and everything, but they hit a power transformer and it knocks out the power from four different units. And I mean, other than that small structural damage, we had to replace four refrigerators worth of food, but yeah. that was it. The guy doesn't remember, but, <laughs> but the ski tracks were going and then there wow. was a boom and then refrigerators stopped working. And so that one we are so fortunate. I mean, everyone's so fortunate. The skier was the most fortunate. Things like that. That's a mix of negligence and vacation brain. What about death? You must have that happen, sadly, um, with that many nights. If there was a death, is there is there coverage for that? Like if this yo-yo skied off the roof and skied in the transformer and was electrocuted and 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 died, is is that part of a claim? I mean, there there always can be a claim. You know, we'd have to tie it to the liability of the homeowner. So if if that homeowner, the property manager was liable and we paid bodily injury claims, we haven't had any deaths that we know of. Yeah, no, nothing where it was it was caused by a claim. People have um, passed away in, in vacation homes because, you know, they're going to do that somewhere. And, right. and with a lot of nights, it's, you know, it, it's going to happen it, it, exactly as you said. But if it's if it's tied to you, the property manager or the homeowner's liability, then um, then it is going to be you know a covered event. So I I, I want to close. I want a hard question. Ready? Let's talk about claims. Yeah. Your favorite part of the whole equation. 
or as I like to call it, the ass end of the insurance equation. Yeah. But super important for retention, right? And so um, do you have a claim department? How do you handle claims? First, we consider claims to be our product. It's how you evaluate an insurance policy. And we're, we're really lucky that, I'm not lucky, but we have such a high frequency of claims that we get the opportunity to interact with our customers two or three times a, a month. Whereas if we were a traditional insurance policy with a high deductible, you know, once a decade we'd interact with them and, and you'd have no idea if this insurance policy actually works. You know they'll take your money, but you don't know if they'll actually pay for stuff. And so so we consider claims to be our secret weapon because um, it allows us to interact in a very positive way. I love it when people send me money. We send people money. And and it means like, they're happy. And we have a net promoter score in the mid 80%. Congratulations. Because if we do claims well, people are happy. And our retention is 97%, so 3% churn a year. So really, really low, especially for uh, for you know, an insure tech where you're trying to figure out the whole ecosystem. So claims are so important. That's why we get them out as quickly as we can. I have to say that we have lots of people on this this show and having you on has been a total pleasure. You're a delight and what an amazingly terrific idea and company. At 30,000 feet, it's a super simple idea. Insurance for these these rental houses that go up, that people are doing all the time. Super simple idea. I'm I'm sure that you could tell me a hundred reasons why it's not super simple. Yeah. But I just love that you fought your way to this point, right? It didn't it didn't exactly start there. You fought your way there. And and that's really cool. That's really cool. Any any final thoughts you'd like to share with us? You had asked one question before we started, and, and that's about COVID. And, oh, yeah. And yeah, yeah, so yeah. You, Thank what's you. really fascinating uh, with COVID, if it was just average, like I wouldn't want to bring it up, but but it's completely changed how people are traveling. And people are traveling more often now uh, because they don't have to be in the office five days a week. So they're taking longer stays. They're taking more frequent stays. So they're going, you know, uh, every other month they're going somewhere and maybe they're staying for eight days, but they're taking two days of vacation. They're doing a weekend and then they're working from somewhere for three days, but they need to be in a home instead of a hotel for that because they've got to do their zoom calls. They've got to, you know, they've got to be working. And so, so we're seeing whole new use cases for home. The traditional accommodation, those destinations are homes. So we're just seeing new types of travel that didn't exist before and that's putting you know, a lot more demand on these homes, which means a lot of people are getting into this market for the first time. And what really helps them feel comfortable is that they can answer the question, who's staying in my house and what happens when something goes wrong? Well, listen, would you come back and visit with us again? I'd love that. I, because love next, that. Time, next time, all we're going to do is ask hard questions. We're going to, Lee and I are going to put our heads together. We're going to just come up with hard questions to ask the whole time because you're fabulous. You're great. Well, thank you. And I'll bring more stories because they happen every day. Yeah, yeah. We, In fact, Lee was right. That's a book idea. A coffee table book. You can put uh. it in vacation homes <laughs> and you can. <laughs> Loved having you. Come back again and, uh, and, and best, best of luck on your company. Thank you. Thank you for this opportunity. 
that was a pleasure. I liked yes. that. I liked him. I liked him a lot. I mean, yes, I loved the conversation, uh, but he he had a he was excited for life. I like asking hard questions now. That's our new that's our new podcast focus. Ask hard Should questions. we talk about that and discuss that, or is that no. just how it is? No, I just decided it. It well, was an executive keep asking, decision. You'll keep asking hard questions, and I'll throw them up where they can knock them out of the park. We can't wait to uh, meet Andrew in person. Yeah, and it's going to be wonderful. We're going to see him in Atlanta. We're going to make that happen. And we're going to have a party at a, a, at a rental we're home. Gonna a, we're going to rent a VRBO. And Probably we're not going to get oils everywhere. We're hopefully. not going to have a 50 shades of gray, maybe 30 shades. Yeah, or 10. At my age, I'd be happy with two shades of gray. <laughs> Bet you would be. <laughs> okay, so uh, we thank Andrew for being with us. Thank you all. So therefore, we'll say goodbye, everybody. 